Aloha from Maui. My name's Heidi, and welcome to the Harvest Virtue Women's Podcast. I'm really honored to get to share with you and that you chose to listen today. Let's get started with a quick prayer. Father God, help me communicate your love and truth today. Help us draw near to you in your amazing word. Amen. So we are on lesson six and sign number seven of our study. Today's passage is John chapter 11, verses 1 through 46, the raising of Lazarus. Now, this is a large passage of Scripture and a fantastic story, and I'll be breaking it into four segments. The first segment will be Jesus and Lazarus. The second segment will be about Jesus and Martha. And the third segment is about Jesus and Mary. And fourth, it will be about Jesus and us. The first segment covers John chapter 11, 1 through 16. I will be reading from the New Living Translation. Here we go. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too and die with Jesus. So preceding all this, Jesus had just left Jerusalem because he had healed a blind man, as we learned last week, on the Sabbath. He had confronted the Pharisees for being blind about spiritual things, and then he claimed to be the Son of God. So he had to leave Jerusalem because he was going to be stoned. Something that stands out to me in this passage is that even though we can be good friends with Jesus, we can still get sick, very sick, even die. In 2013, I got sick. I got sick with cancer. I loved Jesus then as I do now. I was passionate about our Lord, and I looked to serve him in many different ways, just naturally out of my love for him by leading Bible studies in small groups, 
going on mission trips to South Africa and Ethiopia, serving my family and my friends, yet I still got sick. In fact, part of my story is that I used to say to God, no matter what, even if, I will always serve you. I will always love you. I believe Jesus loves me, and I am his friend, but I got really sick just like Lazarus. So I know firsthand that those of us love him are not spared sickness. The other thing that stands out in this passage to us is that Jesus doesn't abandon us in our sickness. He is with us. He comes to see us. He wants to wake us up. That's what he told his disciples he was going to do at the risk of being stoned. And I love that he waited for two days to go. I love it because he waited on God to tell him when to go. Jesus is really the most mature Christian we will ever know. And he waited on the Father. I'm not so good at waiting. Are you? Now, we don't know much about Lazarus other than he had two sisters, and he was a very close friend to Jesus. I think Lazarus would have known the healings and miracles of Jesus at that time and would have had hope that Jesus would be there for him to heal him. So I wonder what his last thoughts were as he lay dying. I know in my sickness, waiting for Jesus to heal me, I sometimes lost hope that it would ever be restored In this passage, it's important to note that Jesus came to Lazarus' side in his timing, which is always better than ours, even when we cannot fathom the reasons it's taking so long, or why it took so long, or what in this case seems to be too late. An interesting tidbit I learned while studying this part of the scripture, is that there was a superstition in that time that said a soul could hover over a dead body for three days, and life could be resurrected in those three days. But after the fourth, it could not. And that might have been an additional reason Jesus didn't go to Lazarus right away. Remember, he wanted his disciples to really believe. He wants us to really believe, too that he is the Son of God. So let's continue with the second segment of this scripture. I'll be reading now, same chapter, John 11, but now verses 17 through 28. And these verses tell us about Martha and Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask for. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. 
Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. What stands out to me in these verses is that after Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She says, Even now, even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. That is such incredible faith. Amazing belief. It is the type of faith I think we all want. And more still, she confesses her faith to him of who he is. She says, you are the Messiah. She doesn't demand that he do something. She trusts him to do what he thinks is best. For me, this is a great lesson. Do I trust Jesus to do what is best, or do I tell him what is best? So many times, I come to Jesus with my list. But in grief, in deep grief, Martha is pliable. Martha is surrendered. Martha is trusting and believing. And Jesus meets her with a question that is life-changing. Do you believe? He says to her, Your brother will rise again. And then he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe? Jesus offers her resurrection, not consolation. She's thinking consolation. We think consolation. But Jesus speaks truth to her. Jesus speaks the gospel to her. He knows he is going to raise Lazarus. I'm sorry to be the spoiler of that story, but he knows he is going to raise Lazarus. And instead of saying that he's going to do that, he enters into her belief in him and presses her to believe him even more. Doesn't Jesus do that to us too? Think right now in an area in your life or in the past where you believe, but Jesus asks you out into deeper water to believe in who he is and all he's capable, which is far more than we could ever ask or imagine. You see, Tim Keller puts it like this, and I'm going to paraphrase him. He says, Jesus says he gives us resurrection, not just I'm going to take you away from all this sadness, but that he is the resurrection power that will wipe away all the suffering and tears and tragedy that all will become untrue as if it never happened. That is the gospel in our lives. We all deserve death, but Jesus steps in and conquers it with his blood, his life, his breath, and we are made into newness. It reminds me of this verse in Isaiah where God is speaking about what he's doing in our lives, and it's Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, and it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So Jesus speaks truth to Martha. He knew what she needed, the truth, the gospel. When I've walked in grief, sickness, and loss, I've needed the truth. And I especially love 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Paraphrasing, it basically says, Grieve, but do not grieve like one without hope. This passage of Martha's story is of grieving. 
is a lesson for us to trust, to recognize that God is not done and is always working everything out for our best to those he loves and calls according to his purpose and showing us his glory. Martha suffered, and in her grief, she gained more faith. Now, continuing on with the second part of this scripture, chapter 11, verses 9 through 37. These verses tell us about Jesus and Mary and their grief. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at a place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved him. But some said, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? I love how Jesus meets Mary with tears. To Martha, he gave truth, but to Mary, he gave his tears to her. It's amazing. Did you catch it? It said that Jesus wept. Why is he weeping? And filled with sorrow. He is God. He knows what he's going to do. He knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So why does he bother to cry and enter into her pain and everyone else's pain when he could just say, Hey, hold your tears, watch this. I'm going to raise up Lazarus. But he doesn't. And I love that. These verses say to us, according to Dave Guzik, that one, God sees our tears and cares. Two, God is touched by our tears. Three, God remembers our tears. And four, God acts to dry our tears. Now, the wording in verse 33 might read differently in your translation, but again, I'm using the New Living Translation, and it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. This wording, deep anger and deeply moved, could really be translated to quake with rage or to bellow in rage. And the Greek word used here means to snort like a horse. That really put a different perspective on this scene for me. As I studied this scripture, Jesus is mad at death, how it hurts us. And we know that death is nothing we can fix or change, but God can, and Jesus does have the power to change it. I found this quote to describe what Jesus did with Lazarus's death. It's by C.S. Lewis, and it says, Jesus knew the only way to interrupt Lazarus's funeral was to usher in the beginning of his own death. With the death of his close friend, his own purpose grew closer and closer. Now, Jesus, 
in the scripture, he is so upset that he can only utter, where have you put him? The scene is one of still grieving, but in this we learn that what Jesus does with grief. What he does is he allows himself to feel it, to experience it, and he cries. And we learn it's okay to cry. It's okay to fall apart and maybe even snort like a horse. We also learn that tears are okay. Tears are healing and a ministry. For example, when I was sick, I cried all the time for every reason. I was broken in spirit and in my body. Physiologically, I had reason to cry. (laughs) I had no serotonin in my body due to the chemo treatments. I was clinically depressed for months and months. But I was ministered by those who could sit in my pain and cry with me or just be with me in my deep, deep sadness. Jesus was there. And some of the loveliest people I know were there with me, sitting, listening, crying too. If you are grieving, know that it's okay to cry, to fall apart. It will end. And Jesus is with you in your grieving. I think the other thing we learn here is that Jesus, in his anger, doesn't blame Lazarus for dying or being sick. Sometimes we try to figure out the reason for sickness or death and find a nice storyline for it. Jesus doesn't explain it away or blame. We do, though. When I was sick with cancer, I had people blame me for the cancer in my body, suggesting I have unconfessed sin or unforgiveness in my heart or that objects from Africa in my house could have caused it. But Jesus doesn't do that to Lazarus. Jesus also doesn't blame himself. He is simply mad at death and shows us to keep our hearts open to God by allowing sadness, but by not losing hope. He knows the Father and the Father's heart, and he models it for us. Remember, he waited on the Father to act because, again, he could have bypassed all of this and simply healed or raised Lazarus from beyond the Jordan, where he was. So we learn not to blame ourselves for someone else's sickness and tragedy. Finally, we finish this passage of Scripture in our last segment, and it's John eleven thirty-eight through 46 And in these passages, we learn how Jesus confronts Lazarus' death and how we participate. Verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would seek God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, 
his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. In these verses, Jesus at the beginning is still angry, bellowing with rage. He says, roll the stone aside. I just love this story. If I was there, I think I'd be just like Martha. Hey, wait, stop. That's going to stink and smell so bad. Please do not do that. I happen to have a super sensitive sense of smell, and I can smell things I don't want to smell all the time. Anyway, well, I believe we learn here in this storyline, apart from the fear of stink, is that Jesus responds to our cautions or our stops in grief with more truth of who he is and how big our God in heaven and on earth is. I know when I was sick, there was a time I wanted to stop, to stop the needles, to stop the IV drips, to stop the radiation, to stop the doctor visits, to stop the daily drives to the cancer center, just stop, stop, stop. But Jesus says to our breaks, don't you want to see God's glory? I'm going to show it to you. Do you believe? Our answer needs to be, I believe, but help my unbelief. If you are experiencing loss, sickness, or ministering to someone who is grieving or sick, you can be this message that Jesus says to Martha. Don't stop believing. Keep your eyes on the Father. His glory is going to be revealed in this situation. The other amazing thing we learn, besides the fact that Jesus can awaken us in physical death after four days in a grave and a rotting body by just calling us by name to come out of the grave, is that he invites all of us to participate in it. In verse 44, he tells the people there at the graveside to unwrap him and let him go. He has us help in the process of resurrection. Oh, he and the Father did the resurrecting. But he had us help Lazarus back to life by stripping off grave clothes. I'm sure they fed him too. Could you imagine the feast they had? Everyone would have had so many questions for Lazarus, and Lazarus would have a lot to share. This too is the stripping off of grave clothes, as we all have a story to tell. And in the telling, we heal and others learn and gleam from that healing, and we have understanding, and then we have knowledge, and then we have wisdom. Oh, how we need one another. Is there someone you need to help remove grave clothes who is grieving or sick? Or someone you need to let in and minister to you? Lastly, the final two verses about some believed and some went and told the Pharisees, could be understand in this way, that the works of Jesus and Jesus himself divide humanity between those that believe and those that reject Jesus. It's a really good warning. It's kind of like what Greg always says. You are either for Jesus or you are against Jesus. What are you choosing? Let's choose Jesus. He is life, he is truth, and he loves you and wants to be a close friend. 
I hope that you that are listening are believers and that this study has been super encouraging to you. But if you have not made that choice to believe in Jesus as the Son of God, our Savior and Messiah, then I urge you to consider what you have to lose by asking Jesus into your life. I know for me, when I asked Jesus to come into my heart and make his home in me, I lost a few things. I lost friends who influenced me for bad. I lost my shame. I lost my guilt for the past. I lost some really bad habits. I lost loneliness. And I lost having to have it all figured out. If those are things you'd like to lose, then just right now, pray with me. Father God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, I confess I am a broken and wandering person that has sinned in your eyes according to your word, the Bible. Please forgive me. Come into my heart and make me a new creation to glory not myself but you, Lord. Come, help me find you and the way to live in companionship with you and your people. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life, as your word says. Amen. Ladies, I just want to thank you for listening today, joining in, and I just want to pray a blessing over you. Now may the God of heaven who loves you with an everlasting love bless you and keep you as you continually turn from yourself to him in greater and greater passion and wisdom, now and forevermore. Amen.